Hello, Hyrock. Welcome to our daily devotional. As we continue today with our walk through the uh, book of Isaiah, we're going to see a um, a pattern that is being developed here, and, and that is where we'll see a passage about uh, the judgment that is to come upon Judah, but then followed by a promise about how God is going to uh, restore things in the end. And this this promise will point to a future time uh, in Israel's in Israel's future at that time, uh, in some ways past for us. We'll see that as we um, get to the close of the passage today. So we're in chapters three and four today, a little bit of a longer passage. So we're going to do selected verses from chapters three and four, where we read this. The Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies will take away from Jerusalem and Judah, everything they depend on, every bit of bread and every drop of water, all their heroes and soldiers, judges and prophets, fortune tellers and elders, army officers and high officials, advisors, skilled sorcerers, and astrologers. I will make boys their leaders and toddlers their rulers. People will oppress each other, man against man, neighbor against neighbor. Young people will insult their elders, and vulgar people will sneer at the honorable. For Jerusalem will stumble, and Judah will fall, because they speak out against the Lord and refuse to obey him. They provoke him to his face. The very look on their faces gives them away. They display their sin like the people of Sodom and don't even try to hide it. They are doomed. They have brought destruction upon themselves. Tell the godly that all will be well for them. They will enjoy the rich reward they have earned. But the wicked are doomed, for they will get exactly what they deserve. But in that day, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious. The fruit of the land will be the pride and glory of all who survive in Israel. All who remain in Zion will be a holy people, those who survived the destruction of Jerusalem and are recorded among the living. The Lord will wash away the filth from beautiful Zion and cleanse Jerusalem of its bloodstains with the hot breath of fiery judgment. Then the Lord will provide shade for Mount Zion and all who assemble there. He will provide a canopy of cloud during the day and smoke and flaming fire at night, covering the glorious land. It will be a shelter from daytime heat and a hiding place from storms and rain. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, uh, again, this is a long passage and we're just reading selected verses that are uh, hopefully uh, very representative of the whole and give us the structure. Verses one through five, um, very colorful language, but I see here kind of a, a crisis in leadership. The, the leaders that they chose, the people that they're following are, are ungodly people. And in many ways, if if people don't respect authority, if they don't understand authority, how are they going to exercise authority? If they reject God's authority, then their very own understanding of authority will likely be corrupt as well. And so in their place, as this leadership structure falls, God says that there will be children and toddlers who will lead them. I, obviously, I don't think this is literal, but it's referring to the way that they are, you know, they may be you know, physically adults, but in, in every other way, they're behaving like children and toddlers. Their immature leaders will be exactly what they deserve. Basically, the, the worst of the worst will rise to the top. And, and during this time, it, it will become normal for people to oppress one another. Uh, everything is going to be inverted. Young people will mock the old, you know, boomers, breeders, whatever uh, title you want to use. Uh, vulgar people will mock those who are honorable. And it, this is really bad. But once again, um, I think about reading this and and how it reads like something that could be have have been written 
uh, to today. Maybe slightly different language, but it seems just as true of us today as it was of Judah back then. But in the midst of this, there's this uh, verse that says, um, that, that gives a hint that judgment, what we mentioned yesterday, how judgment isn't inevitable. These, these judgments come as a warning. God intends to warn us so that there's time for us to turn away. But they're also not um, inevitable. They're also not always universal. And in verse 10, we see here that it says that the godly will be okay. So for those who uh, try to be faithful in a world that has lost its way, I think this can be a message that that people need to hear, that what you do and how you live, uh, even if it seems small in some ways to you, uh, it's, it's something that matters very much to God. But in contrast to this picture of a nation falling apart and coming apart at the seams, we have this promise that comes in the beginning of chapter four, where it says, in that day, and so once again, we're looking forward uh, not just to a, a day close to them, but a, a day in the ultimate end of history, kind of the day of the Lord that we've talked about a little bit before. But here, Isaiah adds another detail in this growing vision of what what is to come, and he mentions the branch. And you know, a lot of us could probably uh, zoom past that and not notice it, or here it says translated the branch of the Lord. And this is a, a messianic term. It's uh, something that refers to uh, a branch that comes out of the root or stump of Jesse. Jesse was uh, David's father. And so um, out of this kind of Davidic line, someone will come. This branch will come. This descendant of David will come. Uh, Isaiah is going to come back to this term, uh, especially like in chapter 11. Uh, but this is also a term that's developed by uh, Jeremiah and, and Zechariah, other prophets who will speak about this, this coming day of the Lord and this branch, this, this Messiah who will come uh, from God. And it says that during this time, there'll be this kind of uh, cloud by day and fire by night. There's this imagery which recalls back when we went through Exodus, right? It recalls the, the way that God traveled with the people uh, in the desert, a time when God dwelled uh, dwelt with the people. And so here it's pointing to a future time when once again, God will dwell with the people. I, I think in many ways, it's really pointing to the time when, um, you know, Jesus would walk into this world that would be rich with these uh, prophecies, with these promises uh, that there would be one who would come and cleanse the land and cleanse the people and ultimately inaugurate a time when God would dwell with us again. And, and that's what Jesus was walking into. And and because Jesus is this, you know, as Christians, we believe that Jesus is very much this branch that was prophesied hundreds of years earlier here uh, in the book of Isaiah and in other Old Testament prophets. Uh, Dave, I'm wondering what you see here. Uh, a couple of things that strike out about this particular prophecy that I think are interesting. Um, in the, you were reading uh, chapter three, verse four. So, and you mentioned this earlier. It says, I will make boys their leaders and toddlers their rulers people oppress each other man against man neighbor against neighbor um and i and i saw okay that's already interesting because i just i look now uh at i think our national leaders and while they're you know age-wise far from being boys and toddlers uh sometimes in terms of maturity it can feel like that um that that people are you know, a lot of our are much more thoughtful, nuanced, circumspect kind of leaders tend to be getting mis, you know, displaced by people who are uh, a little bit more uh, black and white, a little bit more reactive, a little bit more you know liable to throw uh, tantrums and and such like this. Uh, and it does, in fact, sometimes feel like we've got these 
children, right? Emotional children, spiritual children leading us, um, childish, not childlike. And, uh, mm-hmm. and then I just, I, it was struck me in verse five that, that, um, young people, like how bad are things that young people insult their elders? That just shows how upside down the world is. The young people don't respect those who have more wisdom, have more experience. Uh, and of course we see that, you know, that whole kind of, uh, you know, okay, boomer kind of vibe where it seems like the generations are at war instead of finding ways to, to, to honor each other, serve each other, this kind of thing. Uh, and then vulgar people will sneer at the honorable. And, and there again, I just, I feel like part of the, the downside of an internet age is that, uh, everybody gets a platform whether in a sense they've earned it or not. And so what we end up finding is many people who are honorable are just getting lampooned publicly by people who, you know, have really accomplished very little, have taken few risks, uh, you know, have, have, have sacrificed little on behalf of others. And yet those who are doing these things often just get criticized by, by the people who, uh, you know, like to sit on the sidelines and just, you know, jeer. Um, so anyway, I just, I see so much of this feels, as you had said earlier, it feels so contemporary. Um, the, uh, the verse four of chapter four, um, you know, as I was reading that, I thought about, gosh, a lot of people would relate to this. It says verse, verse four, the Lord will wash the filth from beautiful Zion and cleanse Jerusalem of its bloodstains with the hot breath of fiery judgment. The Lord will provide shade for Mount Zion and all who assemble there. And, and I think you know, on the one hand, that sounds horrible, right? God's going to wash the filth away. He's going to cleanse with the hot breath of fiery judgment. Fiery judgment, that sounds terrible. And I think that there's sometimes when we are experiencing in our own lives what feels like the hot breath of fiery judgment, right? And, and, we, and I, I have countless times had conversations with, with people in our church who are basically asking some version of, why is God doing this to me? Or why is God letting this happen to me? And, and generally my first impulse, like I get whatever you're experiencing is very difficult. I'm so sorry you're experiencing it, but here's what I know. God loves you. And so if God's the one doing this, it's the degree that that's true. Well, then it's because God loves you. And, and being able to hold on to that reality, why is God doing this to Jerusalem? Because he hates Jerusalem because of all their sin? No. It's because he loves Jerusalem despite all their sin and he wants to rescue them from it. And so sometimes sort of this, the discomfort that God makes his experience is not a sign of God's, you know, abandoning us, but in fact of God's refusal to abandon us, his refusal to give up on us. And I think that that's where in these difficult times, being able to see, I, I don't have to find God. God has found me. I just... I need to stop resisting God so much. Uh, I think, you know, that, that really sticks out to me. And then the final thing, which I think you already mentioned, uh, in chapter three, verse 10, uh, I just, as you were reading, I love this, tell the godly that all will be well for them. They will enjoy the rich reward that they have earned. And the, the truth is, is that many godly people in Isaiah's day, they, they also suffered going into exile. They suffered being uh, enslaved in Babylon. They, you know, they, they, they did have to suffer all kinds of things. So what's he saying? Because godly and ungodly, they suffered it together. And I think what he's saying is that there is, I think, the internal reward already of, you know, the immediate rewards of following in the way of, of you know, 
this is the way walk in it. This is the way that God tells us here's the, the pathway to human flourishing. And we can experience that joy and that peace, even in the midst of adversity. And there's this promise that even beyond this life, right? Because this life is going to be so short in light of eternity that godliness can feel pointless at the moment. But it is never, ever pointless, right? It, it, the godly will enjoy the rich reward that they have earned. And so I think there's just this kind of uh, this encouragement to hold on when it feels like, oh, the world's going all astray and you know I might as well just throw in my, the towel and give up. No, 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 no. Not only will you be able to experience more love, peace, joy, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, you know, the, the fruit of the spirit now, right? You'll taste that spirit. You'll be able to share the, that fruit. You'll be able to share that good fruit with others. But also God will never abandon you, right? God, he can pay back even when, even despite our suffering, God can still make good to us. Uh, and so anyway, I just, I think there's a lot of beautiful things kind of buried in, in what I think you're right. We could read often and sort of ignore and go, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Doom and gloom, doom and gloom, doom and gloom. There's a, there's a lot of hope in here. I think I, as you're mentioning your, your final two points, I, I kept thinking about Jesus weeping over Jerusalem, you know, how he's, there is that love, like, but he's also seeing that the consequences of their action and of rejecting the one who's the branch is going to lead to this, just a generation away, lead to their destruction. Dave, I'm wondering if you'd uh, be willing to close this. Lord, your love knows no bounds. God, we, I'm thankful that you love us even when we don't love you. God, you don't leave us even when we leave you. God, that you don't give up on us even when we give up on you. So God, we're, we're thankful for the ways that you come after us. Lord, that you allow us to experience enough discomfort to finally let go of our self-destructiveness, to invite us back into repentance and into reconciliation with you and, and then ultimately with others in the world. God, just so thankful that even in the midst of the worst news, you always bring good news. And God, we're thankful for the gospel. We praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you all for joining us today. I hope you're able to join us again tomorrow as we continue through Isaiah. Go in peace.